Today, we're going to be looking at the topic of unanswered prayers. When I think of unanswered prayers, I think of the prayers that we pray. When we're certain that we're praying in God's will, we're certain of his character and his nature. And he seems to answer it not the way we think or the way that we need. Or I think of unanswered prayers as when we pray over and over and over again and God seems silent. It's a, it's a massive topic and it, it plays. It's not just a theological response to this. There's a heart response to what we're talking about today. And it's a topic that's broader than what we can cover today. If you're part of a life group um, you're going to be looking at this in a, in a much broader way. That um, Sometimes when we pray and, and God doesn't answer our prayers, it's simply because that we are part of a fallen world. We're part of the, the nature and the creation of what the world is, and we're part of it just like everybody else. Jesus said to us, in this world you will face troubles, but take heart, because I have overcome Sometimes um, we have unanswered prayers because they're selfish prayers. James says that you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask with selfish motives that you may spend it on yourselves. Sometimes our prayers are not answered because we're in the middle of a spiritual battle. And Jen next week is going to be looking at that topic. But today, I just want to focus on this one aspect of unanswered prayer, which is probably the most difficult. It's when we pray what we think would be on God's heart. When we pray for a loved one, for their health, for their healing, and they pass away. When we have family members or friends who are battling an illness, whether it be a mental health illness or another illness, and it's just prolonged. Whether it's we're praying for a loved one that they would come to know the saving grace of Jesus. And there just seems to be unanswer, 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 unanswer. Or we cry out to God and it feels like we're speaking to a brick wall. It just seems to be silence. I pray that as we look at this today, three invitations from God would be upon our heart. The first is this, to pour out our heart to him. He loves it when we pour out our heart to him. The second invitation we're going to look at is to trust him. Trust him in the unknown. And the third is to let him pour out his heart on us. Let's pray together. Father, I'm aware, just as I prepared for today, of my own buried hurts and disappointments. May today be a safe place where we can let you bring light and love, healing and transformation into those very places. Maybe the places where we've become stuck, 
or we've given up or we've brought you down to the size of our problems. As we look at your word, may you, Holy Spirit, bring not only revelation, but a deep awareness of how God wants to be with us today. Amen. I wanted to ask you, what words, thoughts, or experiences come to mind when you think of your own unanswered prayers? Up on the, sc- on the screen behind me are words that come to mind when I think of my own experiences and words that come to mind when I think of the people that I've journeyed with through, through some of life's most difficult problems. I'd love for you to just to scan your eyes over those words there. See which word stands out to you for your experience. Maybe your experience, the word is not up there and place that word up there for yourself. Can I say that each and every one of those words that are on that screen and many more that aren't on there are words that God invites us to pray to him, to bring to him, to pour out our hearts to him with. The Bible is full, absolutely chock-a-block full of men and women who have poured out their heart to God in this way. And sometimes when we're in the deepest and the darkest moments, we, we just we can't muster, we can't bring ourselves to pour that out. Sometimes, you know, the Australian stoic way, particularly the farmer way, is to just suck it up and get on with life. But God invites us because there's healing in what he invites us to, to pour out our hearts to God. The Psalms are full of such prayers. Let me read to you just three from a selection of so many. You'll recognise this first one as the words that Jesus prayed on the cross. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away from me when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. I say to God, my rock, Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? And in Psalm 13, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? You know, those prayers do not reflect a lack of faith. They actually reflect a person of faith who is demonstrating their faith in incredible journeys to cry out to God and say, God, I don't understand this. I I see you, my theology, my understanding of you is here, but my experiences are way over here and there's this massive gap in between. And I'm struggling I don't know how to understand this. I don't know how to understand what I'm going through. Each one of those words is a valid word to pray. You know, when we try and minimise our problems, when we try and minimise that gap, it's funny how disappointment and some of those other words that are up there 
will find their way out of our life in a less healthy way, often bringing damage to those closest to us. We need to create safe relationships, safe communities, where these kinds of prayers can be prayed without being judged, without people rushing in to try and bring a word or a scripture or a correction, but to just sit with their person, this person, their friend, to sit with them in their pain and to pray with them in their pain. There's great healing in pouring out our hearts to God. You know, sometimes we can get stuck in, I, I call these the why questions, and you have a look at those same words again. Some of the words begin to, to jump off the page towards us, and some of the other words seem to go back into the background. Why questions are great questions that we need to ask, and God asks us to pour out our heart to him around those and many other things. But we can get stuck when we just focus on the why question. And our life begins to reflect. All we begin to see in our life is the words that are bolded up on your screen. There's nothing wrong with asking why questions and they're a great place for us to start. But God would want us to also ask the where questions. Where are you? Where are you at work? Who do you want to be for me today, God, that I might be satisfied in you? It sounds like a selfish question, that last one, but it's not. God longs for us to be satisfied in him. And as we begin to do that, those other words, our circumstances may never change in this moment, but our countenance does and our spirit does. And those words begin to rise in our life again. And we begin to have hope. And we begin to see God's glory at work. And a faithful spirit begins to well up within us, even in the midst of our circumstances. King David did this over and over again in his life. And I want us to just look at one of the Psalms that he wrote, Psalm 62. The background of this Psalm, many would believe, is the time where Absalom, his son, was rising up against him and was set to dethrone him, his father, as king, which meant the process of that was that he was going to kill his own father, King David. I wonder how that sits with you as a dad, to have your own son. Say, so I wish you were dead. And David flees from the city and... He's preparing his men for battle, the, the battle that's to come. And he says to his leading fighting men, he said, whatever you do, make sure you protect my son Absalom in the battle. Father's heart still pouring out even though his son has wished him dead. I want to pick up from 2 Samuel 8, verse 32, where the battle ensures... Um, Absalom is killed by one of David's leading men and the runner is running back to David to give him the news. And we pick up from there. The king asked the Cushite, is the young man Absalom safe? The Cushite replied, 
May the enemies of my Lord, the King, and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and he wept. And as he went, he said, My son, Absalom. My son. My son, Absalom. If only I had died instead of you. Oh, my son. My son, Absalom. In this bitter moment, and in the context of this bitter moment, David writes this psalm. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress, and I'll never be shaken. David in this space is drawing on what he knows of God. He's calling to mind what he's experienced of God in the past. And he's making statements of belief. As you go on and we read the psalm, we have a little bit more of his context. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but with their hearts they curse. And David is right back into the midst of his circumstances and his experiences. And he's wrestling with these words. And so as you read, as we keep reading in Psalm 62, we see David say what seems to be almost identical words to what he started with. But as we read them this time, notice the word yes. David in this moment is speaking to his own soul. He's speaking to his own heart. He's speaking to his own spirit. I've declared the promises. I've declared who I know God to be. I'm back in my circumstances again. These are different to what I experienced before. But I'm speaking to my soul, David says. I'm speaking to my soul and I say, yes, my soul. Find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress. This time he doesn't say, I'll never be shaken. He says, I will not be shaken. He goes on to say, my salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, people. Trust in him at all times. Through all of life's circumstances, trust in him. And pour out your hearts to him. Don't hold anything back. Don't let anything brood. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. David affirms lots of things in that psalm. He affirms that God is our rest. He is our salvation. He is our rock. He is our fortress. 
He is our hope. He is our honour. He is our refuge. And he is our safe place. I want to say those words again to you who God is for us. And as I say them, I'd love for you to ask yourself or ask God this question. Who does God need to be for you today in your circumstances? What of those words that I've just that King David's just expressed of God stand out to you? And right now today, who does God want to be for you in those circumstances? Maybe it helps to close your eyes as I read them out again. But just let these words sit with you and let God speak to you in these words today. He is our rest. He is our salvation. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our hope. He is our honour. He is our refuge. And he is our safe place. And so God, as people are just thinking these things with you now, I pray that right now and even this coming week that you would bring those things to mind to them again. King David goes on from that prayer, uh, from, that, from that, those words, and he says, one thing God has spoken, two things I've heard. Power belongs to you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. Power belongs to you, God, and with you is unfailing love. The two things that we wrestle with most when we're in our darkest moments and God is not answering our prayers is why isn't God acting if he has power? And why do I not feel that God is very close to me? Does he not love me? And King David, in the midst of his battle, affirms those two great truths of God. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. I think some of the most powerful, courageous words ever spoken in Scripture, ever spoken by a human, are these words. Yet not what I will, but what you will. We see in these words incredibly raw, vulnerable, soul-wrestling conversation and the balance of love and power playing out in this conversation between Jesus and his Father before he goes to the cross. The Father, who has power to rescue him, is being withheld so that for now, the act of sacrificial love from both the Father and the Son can be played out. And it can be played out so that the door of grace can be opened to all of humanity. If we looked at that one prayer and that one act in its context, it would seem like a failure. Let's quickly look at that prayer as we begin to wrap up. Jesus um, then went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. 
He took Peter, James and John along with him, his closest friends, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. You see the vulnerability of Jesus with his friends? So often when we're in our darkest moments, we just want to hide away and get into our own little cocoon instead of being open and vulnerable with those that are closest to us and inviting them to join with us in prayer. Some of our toughest moments as parents. I remember once a young couple came to us who had a young baby and said, please tell me it doesn't get any harder than this. I didn't want to burst their bubble, but I had to. Some of our toughest moments as parents, we we don't have control over our kids. There's no power we can ultimately exert over them. And their kids don't always do what we want, and there's also a whole lot of other things that happen in life. In our most critical, darkest moments, we had a group of friends that we would just text and we'd just say, please pray. They didn't need to know anything else other than just, please, this is a tough time for us, please pray. Our circumstances um, very rarely changed, but what did change was the atmosphere in our house. We began to sense God's presence. We began to sense his strength come upon us and a hope come within us. Going a little further, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed that if it be possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. You see that little line, Abba Father, affirming the love of God, even in his darkest moment. Most intimate name that he could call his father, Abba Father. I know you love me. And I know that everything is possible for you, affirming his power. His love and power are still at work and still at play in this situation. Take this cup from me. His honest prayer. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to face it. But yet not what I will, but what you will. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I love this quote from Pete Greg uh, Greg, in his book, God on Mute. On Holy Saturday, the hopes and prayers of every disciple lay dashed and broken in the grave. But God did nothing, said nothing, No sound but the buzzing of flies around the corpse of the sun. And then on Easter Sunday, God broke the silence. He awoke, he spoke. And for those of us who walk, however reluctantly, in Jesus' footsteps, from Gethsemane and Golgotha to the garden tomb, Easter Sunday offers irresistible hope. The one, the one ultimate miracle, the resurrection of the Son of God from the dead, assures us that every buried dream and dashed hope will ultimately be absorbed and resurrected 
into a reality far greater than anything we can currently imagine. I'll finish with this. I was talking with one of my friends the other day who'd been through a dark season, battling cancer, had to leave his job, was then unemployed for a long period of time. And as we were reflecting on that recent time, he said to me, Phil, there are days where all I could do was get up and just sit in the sun. And when he said those words to me, he meant S-U-N and he meant S-O-N. And I get the picture that as he was sitting in the sun, he was sitting in the sun. And the invitation that I'd love to leave with you today is in our deepest, darkest moments, the best thing that we can do is sit in the sun. To sit with him. To bask in his presence. To go over the life and the, the darkness and the life that Jesus walked through for us. And to allow his spirit to transform us. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you meet us at our point of need. Today I'm aware of healing that needs to take place in my own heart as I learn to fully trust in you for all of my life through the highs and the lows. I pray, God, that as we choose to sit in the sun, may you move upon our hearts and bring healing and strength. May we be men and women who love well, whom others notice that we have been with Jesus and are drawn to him for their own rest, salvation, rock, fortress, hope, honour, refuge and safe place.